From the Financial Times in London, I'm Ben Hall and this is FT News. The zeal with which the 30-year-old Mohammed bin Salman, Deputy Crown Prince and favourite son of the King, is tackling economic reform in Saudi Arabia represents a radical departure from the past. MBS, as he's known, plans to wean the kingdom off oil and boost the private sector, slashing unemployment along the way. His latest move was to replace Saudi Arabia's veteran oil minister Ali Naimi with a 55-year-old technocrat from state oil giant Aramco. With me down the line from Saudi Arabia to discuss these questions is Anjali Raval, our oil correspondent, and we are also joined from Dubai by Simeon Kerr, our Gulf correspondent. Anjali, how big a shake-up at the top of Saudi's oil industry is this really? Ali al-Naimi has wanted to retire for years. He's over 80 years old. So the fact that he was being replaced was on the cards, just nobody knew when. But the timing of it is significant. It came after the failure of the big Doha meeting where OPEC and non-OPEC producers failed to agree on, on an agreement to freeze production. So the timing is significant. However, Carla Del Spale, the former CEO of Saudi Aramco and who was chairman of the state oil company, he was always a sort of minister in waiting. And he has said, policy will remain stable. But the appointment really redirects further power towards the king's son, Deputy Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman. And this has raised more questions about whether oil policy will become more politicised and if there may be any changes further down the line. One of MBS's plans is to sell off a small slice of Saudi Aramco to private investors. Is that achievable? And to what extent will that change Saudi oil policy? A plan to privatise a stake in Saudi Aramco is really to sort of help fund the sovereign wealth fund and diversify the economy away from oil as they move towards more broader privatisation. Now, it's not really clear what this means for oil policy in the future. At the moment, there are still lots of questions about how this stake sale goes ahead. The people in Dharan, where I was yesterday, which is the headquarters of Saudi Aramco, are obviously very optimistic about this. They are going through all the different options about how a listing may take place in terms of the size of it, but also, you know, whether it's a dual listing, which stock exchange it would be on. But these are still matters that are being discussed. So even though the CEO of Saudi Aramco, Amin Nasser, said yesterday they are at the sort of final stages of putting forward proposals to the Supreme Council of Aramco, which is chaired by Prince Mohammed, at this stage they're still weighing up lots of different options. But does anybody really think that the Saudi oil industry is anything other than a big political instrument for the regime in Saudi Arabia in the sense that it is a source of Saudi power and a source of money for the government there? Isn't it always going to be a political machine? You're right. Saudi Arabia derives, I think, more than 90% of its revenues from the oil industry. But that is exactly the point. They want to move away from that and they need to diversify to ensure that its economy has stability in the future. Operationally, the industry does regard Saudi Aramco as a professional organisation as any other. But the difficulty is, when it comes to a listing of any kind, what happens when it comes to things like royalties, taxes, 
what kind of regulatory requirements will Aramco face, particularly if there is a listing abroad. They may have to make disclosures on things like reserves. It's very, very sensitive information, and they've never had to reveal the secretive data before. So that's where the struggle is. It's not really about Saudi Aramco, the company, whether it can behave professionally. It's largely to do with things like disclosures and valuation. That's where the uncertainty lies. Sim, if I may come to you, is MBS a champion of that kind of modernization in Saudi oil industry or is he simply seeing this as a way of raising money for the government and for the country as a whole? Well, yes. I mean, all this discussion flows from the fiscal crisis, the drop in the oil price, the lack of government oil revenues. Selling off Aramco would give an instant windfall in that respect. But he's been very clear and keen to point out that this is part of the greater plan. This is part of boosting transparency. The country's very opaque and there hasn't been much of this disclosure in the past. He hopes that bringing this market discipline to Aramco sends a big sign to the whole economy that all other state-related entities, they're going to have to follow the same example. They're going to have to become more efficient like Aramco already is, but then also be more open. The economic ambitions are certainly lofty. Are they realistic, though? There's a lot of scepticism about whether he will be able to push this through against deep entrenched interest within the economy, including some within his own family. There's also the bureaucracy, which you know managed to see off previous reform efforts. And also there's the population at large who, while they see a plan that's very, very exciting and you know ticks many boxes in their minds, at the same time it's asking, essentially it's asking people to work harder, longer, in competitive jobs for less money and to not be able to rely on a cradle-to-grave welfare state. However, as I said earlier, at the moment at least, there is broad-based agreement that they're going to have to do something about this over-dependence on hydrocarbon revenue. And, you know, even if the oil price comes up a bit, it's just not sustainable over the next 20 to 30 years. This is an abridged version of the FT's World Weekly Podcast. To listen to the full version, go to ft.com slash podcasts. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Here at Bellingcat, we get to the bottom of things. From a global crisis to an underreported event, we find the facts using publicly available tools and resources, uncovering what is hidden on and below the surface. We connect the dots using social media posts, satellite images, and public records, and empower others to do the same by sharing how we do it. The ability to do so is only made possible by our readers, supporters, and community members. Care to join us? Learn how at bellingcat.com.